Tell Me Again About the Night I Was Born by Jamie Lee Curtis and illustrated by Laura Cornell. Tell Me Again About the Night I Was Born. Tell me how you and Daddy were curled up like spoons and Daddy was snoring. Tell me again how the phone rang in the middle of the night and they told you I was born. Tell me how you screamed. Tell me again how you called Granny and Grandpa right away, but they didn't hear the phone because they sleep like logs. Tell me again how you got on an airplane with my baby bag and flew to get me and how there was no movie, only peanuts. Okay, I like peanuts. Tell me again how you couldn't grow a baby in your tummy, so another woman who was too young to take care of me was growing me and she would be my birth mother and you would adopt me and be my parents. Tell me again how you held hands all the way to the hospital and when you got there you both got very quiet and felt very small. Tell me again about the first time you saw me through the nursery window and how you couldn't believe something so small could make you smile so big. Tell me again how tiny and perfect I was. Tell me again about the first time you held me in your arms and you called me your baby sweet. Tell me again how you cried happy tears. Tell me again how you carried me like a china doll all the way home and how you glared at anyone who sneezed. (laughs) Tell me again about my first bottle and how I liked it so much. Tell me again about my first diaper change and how I didn't like it at all. Tell me again about the first night you were my daddy and you told me about baseball being the perfect game like your daddy told you. Tell me again about the first night you were my mommy and you sang the lullaby your mommy sang to you. Tell me again about our first night as a family. Mommy, Daddy, tell me again about the night I was born. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Raines, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. All right, so let's talk about growing up as an adopted child. This is something I have a lot of experience with. One would think, yes, definitely. Yes. There are definitely highs and lows. Mm -hmm. In talking about this, there are a lot of aspects in growing up as an adopted child that are very personal. And I want to share this with our listeners because I believe that it will help us elevate the understanding of adoption as a whole. Mm -hmm. The adopted child is one angle of the triad. There has been a lot of research done on adopted children. There have been a lot of books, a lot of studies, a lot of interviews, and frankly, a lot of interest. Where I think that it's important to continue 
all of this research and interest in adopted children is going back to when you know better, you do better. Right. And when society changes, the impact in the change of society will affect an adopted child. Okay. An example would be Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and then there's a few other of those tests. And I myself, as an adult, have taken both of them. Right. Now there is not an age limit, so if there is an adopted child and the uh, adoptive parents allow the child to take this test and they learn about it, it really can influence some of their thoughts and feelings and emotions as an adopted child. So that's one way that... As society is evolving and changing and technology is getting stronger, there's Facebook, there's social media. And so when we're doing studies and we're doing interviews and we're researching the impact of adoption on children and how they're going to respond, I believe that it's very important that we continue down this road. Okay, yeah. And I think there's benefits to the 23andMe and uh, and Ancestry.com, but there's also drawbacks, I would think, especially for a child, because aren't they very emotional just by being a child and then it just brings more anxiety or am I wrong? I think it would depend on the maturity of the child. I think it would depend on the actual age. Mm-hmm. I think it would depend on the intent. So if the intent was to find out what nationality ethnicity you officially are in the percentages, right. I don't see how that would be detrimental. Right. If it was to look at who you're related to, that could be a compromising position depending on the maturity level and the age. So that I would say that's a real possibility that would be damaging in okay. some senses or could be, have the potential. I think the other part that might be kind of fun is... In the 23andMe, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know what they call them. Where it tells you, for instance, oh, you're more prone to like sweet foods and salty. Correct. Things like that. Right. Yeah, I've heard the commercials. So when I got, when I did it and I got it back, it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I would say it was pretty accurate. I I don't think it was 100% on, but they say it's not. I mean, it's a percentage of so many people. (laughs) And I still get emails. Uh, There are are even though I did it almost about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. I get I get emails from them stating that they have come up with a new uh, study and I fall into this category and it's it's funny so it continues to expand right and That's some cool. of the categories that they have are so funny one of them that made me laugh is is your second toe longer than your big toe <laughs> okay that was accurate. So was. I thought that was funny. Uh, those kind of things, yeah. Do you prefer salty over sweet? Right. Are you more prone to drink more caffeine than, than the average person? Those kind of things are really are really funny to me. And fascinating. Right. Because you're learning about yourself. And this right. it would be the same for an adopted child, too. Sure. So in those aspects, I think it would be very kind of fun. It mm-hmm. would it would give it would give the ability for them to at least understand what nationality they are. Right. And that can be important if they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's definitely something that a parent would have to look at their child and see if it was beneficial, see how it would impact them, what the ramifications were, and make those decisions. Right. I don't think for a young child it would be beneficial. Definitely an older child, closer to the age of 18, maybe. But again, only 
with the parental consent and if right. it was appropriate. And the parental support too. You know, if they're supportive emotionally as parents anyway, then it's harder to envision seeing problems from something like this. Correct. Another aspect to consider would be if this is something you're going to do, what are you going to do with the information? Mm-hmm. Anytime you're going to introduce your child to something new, I think it's always good to weigh the pros and cons and think about how this could negatively or positively impact the child, right. what outweighs what, and then make a decision. Right. And that would be a good example. One thing that I know that I did as a child is I would think about my birth mother. Mm-hmm. And as a child, you fantasize. You, you know, have these <laughs> dreams of grandeur. You have these... She's a movie star. Or no, I, I thought she was royalty. Oh, I, did I you? Thought, oh, I thought well, for obviously. sure I had to have been a princess in some <laughs> long line of, you know, kings and queens. Right. You watched too and much King Ralph as a kid. and so I you must thought, have oh, because I was convinced. I'm, I'm a princess. Right. I was convinced that, that I was placed for adoption because they, the lineage would it would have been an issue and they wanted to make sure that it didn't dethrone anybody. <laughs> and so, and I carried this for a very long time. Right. I, I really believed that, that I was of the elite mm-hmm. and obviously that was wishful thinking. Right. Now, when you found out, and granted, you were how old when? 30, 34. Four. 34 when you found out. Was there a little piece of you inside that was kind of disappointed? Did you always hold out that hope? That is a really good question. (laughs) In some aspects, I wouldn't be honest if I said no. No, right. I remember thinking when I found out, I'm I'm not royalty. Okay. I guess I can deal with this. Yes, I can process that. (laughs) And it was almost like a blindside in a way because... I had, from the time I was 12 to the time I was 18, I lived in a suburb of La Jolla, California, mm-hmm. and grew up in a Lucky. upper middle class family. Okay. And that was what I knew. That was right. my world. When I met my birth mother, she was living in uh, Grove City, Ohio. Uh, she had moved there after she had lived in West Virginia. She had lived in West Virginia um, pretty much her whole life, Mm -hmm. except for when she was pregnant with me. They lived in Ohio, and then they went back to West Virginia. Um, She went back to West Virginia after she had me, and my brothers were born there and raised there. And when I first talked to her on the phone, I remember thinking, wow, I can barely understand her because her accent was so strong. (laughs) Why don't I talk like her? And so I started to think, is this right? Like I, I got really confused really quickly because mm-hmm. I, th- I thought, wow, I, I kept asking her to say it again. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, what, what? That was our first conversation. And I wish, I wish to God I'd recorded it because probably now uh, it would be very funny to listen to. And right. I think she would agree. I think <laughs> she would absolutely agree because not only did she have a very, very West Virginia Southern accent, mm-hmm. But there is almost a different language. I mean, she would use words like Davenport instead wow. of a sofa. And so right. it was it was something that it, it took me, I used to uh, almost think, wow, okay, I'm going to learn the language. And, and, it, and you do. Yeah. And, and it didn't take a long time. And I caught on really quick because Certainly. we spent hours and hours on the phone. But going from thinking, 
okay, well, maybe when we meet, we can, you know, go on a Disney cruise and start there. Okay. And when we first talked on the phone, it was on a Friday, and I flew out the following Wednesday with one of my best friends, Mm -hmm. leaving uh, the husband and kids at home. And we got there, and I wasn't royalty. Um, And it wasn't a disappointment. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I think I was so much in shock of not knowing what to expect. Mm -hmm. I bonded immediately with my brothers, and I bonded with my mother. I loved learning about them. Right. And learning, quote unquote, their language. Absolutely. I remember saying to her on the phone, I really want to see a picture of you. Okay. And so she emailed me a picture. And when I saw the picture, it was of her in an above ground pool. Okay. And it was undeniable. You could definitely see the resemblance. Wow. It was absolutely life-changing. I think it's mm-hmm. it was one of those moments when you have a baby biologically and the baby's born and the doctor pulls the baby out and puts the baby on your chest mm-hmm. with all four of my biological children. Every single time I thought, wow, it's a baby. Right. And you know it's a baby. You know the baby's going to come out. And I know I've said this in podcasts <laughs> before, but there's still that moment of this is a baby. How did this happen? Right. Yeah. Yep. So it was very much a similar mindset when I spoke with her the first time. Mm-hmm. And I started learning all about her. When my friend Kim and I flew out and we met her for the first time, Kim said to me something that I'll never forget. She said, what are you looking to find? Good question. Yeah. And I remember pausing for a moment And I said, I'm hoping to find myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what every adopted child in the back of their mind, in the front of their mind, at some point during their childhood or adulthood is wanting to know, understand, and actualize. I wasn't prepared at 18 or 21 or 25 at that point to go into finding my birth mother. People often will ask me, well, if you were so curious and you wanted to know her and what what happened, what surrounded your adoption situation, why did you wait so long? And that was one of the questions that she asked me first is why I waited so long. Right. I grew up as a very stable adopted child. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for a second mom. I wasn't looking for a replacement mom. Right. You had a stable home. I had a stable that you were home. A part of. Correct. When I made the decision to locate my birth mother and hopefully have a relationship with her, which I was able to, it was twofold. I wanted to learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. And at that time in my life, I very much wanted to have a relationship because I felt In learning about her, I would learn more about me. And I wanted to show her how much I appreciated what she had done and what a good choice she had made. Because you had, like you said, a stable, wonderful life. And I wanted to share with her that I had begun an adoption agency. And I had really wanted her to be proud of that because out of her decision was the result 
of so many lives being changed. Right. So in going back to growing up as an adopted child, Mm -hmm. the questions that adopted children have, and, and I'm speaking from a personal and a professional stance, when I'm describing these questions, not every child is going to have these questions. Not every child is going to have the same line of thinking. It will depend on the age they were when they were adopted. It will depend on if they were a newborn adoption or they were adopted older in life. But the questions that run through, I would say that are typical questions, common questions, would be, why did you place me for adoption? Was something wrong with me? Did you love me? Mm -hmm. And that's a big one because birth mothers place out of love. Right. And I think that that's something that adopted children really need to understand. This was done in love. Right. It wasn't, I need to get rid of this. This right. is a burden. This was a mistake. I need right. to fix my mistake. Yeah. That's not what this is. This is out of love. Another question was, do I have siblings? And I learned that I had two brothers. Right. Which was really neat. The other thing that I had always wanted to know was who knows about me? And this is really interesting because not many family members, as I've shared before, mm-hmm. knew that my mother- you even existed. Had had- A third child. Right. Well, I was the first, but there was three children, not just two. And so when I came out of the woodwork and I flew out to... (laughs) Quite a shock for a lot of people. It really was. Yeah. It really was. It was a shock. My mother had to answer a lot of questions and... You think that was pretty hard on her? Or do you think she felt it was kind of a blessing to I think she almost found herself? it cathartic. Yeah. Because she had held this for so long and had shared it with so few people that it went to a point that when she would go to the doctor, she would show the doctor pictures of me. Mm-hmm. And she would tell the doctor all about her adoption story. Wow. And she wasn't able to do that for so many years. And this gave her the freedom to tell her story. There was a funny situation that I still kind of giggle about when I think about it. There there was a night that during that first visit where she decided to have like a family get together at her house. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I am a little bit of an introvert. Like I I really What? Yeah. No, I, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. My friend Kim obviously was there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, My brothers were there. My mother's husband was there. And then a lot of her siblings came over and we have lots of pictures of it. And I remember looking at everybody and being fascinated. But at the same time, I also remember slipping out the door and going into the garage and talking with her husband and my brothers who were hanging out in the garage smoking. It was almost overwhelming, even for me. Right. Especially because one of my cousins had said, and he was joking, I think. I'm sure he was joking. (laughs) Said, would you stand on the coffee table and turn around so we can just all look at you? And that was when I ducked out the back door. Wow. Look at the time. (laughs) I just... mm. And I know that it was... They were all trying to put the pieces together and figure out this, yeah, yeah, this, this situation, the situation, and the relation, and who I looked like, and it was really neat uh, to see everybody. But again, in, in some aspects, it was a little overwhelming for right. me. It was a little, it was, a and little it probably much. was for them as well. But I mean, 
But they seem to be okay. You were a fish out of water over there. I was. I I was a fish out of water. Although I will say I was, in some aspects, very comfortable. It was almost like I had found my tribe in some ways. Wow. That's cool. And that was cool. That was very cool. In children, they're going to want to know, like, who knows about me? Mm -hmm. And that is a really big deal because when you're older and if you decide to look for your biological family, and if you don't have an open adoption, so you want to look for your biological family, Mm -hmm. that is something that you will want to know because you don't know who you're going to come across. Right. And what to say. Correct. And what to say. Okay. Mother's Day was always bittersweet for me. With my... Before or even after as well? Before I found her. Okay, right. I always celebrated and will always celebrate my adoptive mother Mm -hmm. on Mother's Day. Right. She raised me. She was an amazing mother. But at the same time, I knew that I had another mother out there too. Mm -hmm. And you want... To celebrate and I, with her. And I was wishing there was some way that I could, yeah, that I could celebrate with her. Yeah. And I made sure from the moment that I met her that I never missed a Mother's Day and always sent bouquets of flowers and so forth because I never had that opportunity before. Right. Oh. And now that I've lost her, that's hard because I've gone back to not being able to celebrate with her. So that's mm-hmm. hard. Birthdays were, I would say, the hardest. My birthday. And I never understood it. As a child and even as a young adult up until probably in the last decade. Okay. When I was younger, I always remember thinking that's our day with my birth mother. That's our day. Okay. The funny thing is when I met my birth mother, my birthday is on the 14th of the month. And I was born in the middle of the night, close to around midnight. She couldn't remember which day it was. So here I'm having this moment, and she's not even quite sure which You're day. You're doing this whole five <laughs> somewhere, and exactly. your mom's going, well, is it, it was it today or, or tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so that was, that was kind of, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it was right in there. Exactly, exactly. Was it after midnight? Okay, that's funny. And she And she would say... On that day, I would go out and I would look at the stars and I would think about you. And I thought, yeah, I didn't go out and look at the stars and have that that kumbaya moment. Right. But it was something. The five thing. Right. right. So I didn't like birthdays. And Really? No. Okay. Because it was a reminder of a loss. Okay. Even though I think she made the best, most amazing choice when she chose adoption. It doesn't negate the fact that it's still a loss. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so as a whole, I don't like birthdays. I, I don't like my children's birthdays because to me, they're a reminder of they're a day older and a day closer to when they leave the nest. And so my kids will say, oh, it's your birthday or it's my birthday's coming up. And of course, you know, as a parent, you celebrate their birthday and you do all the things that you should do. Okay. But in my heart, I don't like birthdays. And it's not something that I think will probably ever go away because birthdays aren't associated with positive things in my mind. Okay. Kind of a different take. It is a very different take. And it's something that our listeners may not realize. Now, that's not to say that every adopted child is going to feel that way. Right. But or even every person, because I'm 
I'm I don't see birthdays as like a bad not a bad thing negative thing like you do but I almost see them as a non thing just like okay I was born on that day for instance or especially for myself now for others I'm kind of like you I'm like oh it's a happy day and I'll celebrate but when I think of myself it's just a day Right. It, and I, I can play the game. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, we celebrate with the kids. They, you know, we don't talk. I don't You do share huge this. birthday parties. I do. It's fun. And I do. Probably reverse effect. Over. Yeah. So yeah. you overcompensate. I see. Yeah. We're, I think we're starting to get to the bottom of you. No, I'm just I, kidding. I'm saying this <laughs> like is I'm becoming a, a little bit like a therapy session, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> no, it's fun. I think what is very cool, very, very cool, mm-hmm. is when uh, children that are adopted internationally especially this, I think, I believe started in, in China, but I'm not sure, so don't hold me to that. When China adoptions became big, they they would celebrate Gotcha Day in addition to a birthday. And I think that is Oh, I see. Absolutely. That's the day I gotcha. Yeah. Got it. Oh, that's sweet. Now, it is. Now, I was gotten, if you will, <laughs> on the third day. So that would be a lot of celebrating. Wow. So it's we, like didn't, a we didn't, we didn't celebrate a Gotcha you. Day. Yeah, okay. not even half a week. <laughs> So it wasn't something that we celebrated, but I think when you have a court finalization, if you have an ad- an adopted child that you adopted as a newborn, mm-hmm. I think that that is a really neat. I got you. Today's a really neat thing, right? And it's something something else to remember that very special time. Cool. Correct. The other question that adopted children may or may not have is if they wonder if their birth mother regrets her decision mm. for placing for adoption. Now, in my situation, my birth mother did regret her did decision. Did she? Okay. So that was because she was just 15 turning 16. Mm-hmm. And she had less than, you know, three weeks notice of, that she was officially going to have a baby. Right. She really didn't have time to process what was happening. She was in shock. Mm. She didn't understand really what adoption was. I mean, back in the 70s, that wasn't something that was an everyday conversation. There weren't celebrities openly adopting. It wasn't something that was talked about as it is today. Right. And there was no aftercare whatsoever. Mm. And now, thanks to her, there's a huge program. Right. And that's yes. that's kind of neat, the Donna K. Evans Foundation. Right. So where I think it needs to be understood is those birth mothers that have adoption regrets, I feel did not receive the attention care during their pregnancy, the preparation, and then the aftercare. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that didn't receive counseling. She received no counseling. She did not and was not allowed to even see me after I was born. She was not allowed to say goodbye. She didn't have closure. She didn't have the opportunity to, you know, hold me, kiss me, nothing. Right. And I'm sure, and I'm speaking for her, but in her mind, later on, she probably wondered, did that really even happen? Like what, what, what occurred? She had the baby. She had a baby. She left the hospital. Uh, A couple days later, she went to the courtroom. She said her mother waited in the car. She walked up the court stairs and went in front of the judge and said she wanted to do the adoption. And she came back down the stairs and got in the car and went back to school and then dropped out a few days later, a few weeks later, I think it was. And so it wasn't something that 
a 16-year-old in 10th grade could comprehend. Well, even in life in general, I think back of my first marriage, and it truly seems like another lifetime. It doesn't even really feel real. So especially for something that really extended maybe four weeks of her life and changed that four weeks. I mean, I was married for seven years and it, I hardly remember it, you know? I do. I understand. Yeah. Ab- so, And I think that's a really good example. So I think when she went on to have, so she, after she uh, dropped out of school, she mm-hmm. went back to West Virginia because I was born in Columbus, Ohio. So she went back to West Virginia and she uh, got pregnant pretty quickly uh, with my younger brother, mm-hmm. who she then had on her 18th birthday. Literally, wow. they share a birthday. Oh, that's kind of sweet. And it was her life then moved on. She got married and then had um, my youngest brother mm-hmm. a few years later. Okay. I think, in my opinion, adopted children want to know that their biological mother is happy and at peace and has joy in her life. Mm -hmm. Especially when they're in a happy and healthy and safe and loving home. There is, even if it is not something that is an actual effect, there is that reciprocal relationship in their mind. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants the best. They want happiness and joy. And as an adopted child, I did want that. Now, I will tell you where we're talking about uh, dreams of grandeur. When I was 15, I was absolutely convinced upon my 16th birthday, my birth mother was going to show up out of the blue with a car. Wow. And that did not happen. Oh, Princess Kelly didn't get her car, too. Or carriage with horses. Right. No, it didn't happen. Oh, well, I'm kind of sorry for you. But you made it out okay. <laughs> I, I did. did I right. made it out Good just fine. I did. <laughs> Adopted children, like everybody else, want to feel a sense of belonging. Uh-huh. They want a connection. We talked about in a previous podcast about how nobody wants to be singled out or feel different. And adoptive families can really instill that sense of belonging. And they can do that through... Finding connections outside of biological connections Mm -hmm. with their adopted child. They can share hobbies. They can share preferences. They can share lots of things that are not just, we both have blue eyes, or we both have a shorter second toe, or we both have (laughs) blonde hair, or what have you. A proclivity to eat chocolate, whatever, Absolutely. Yeah, I gotcha. When... I am an exceedingly picky eater. I mean, exceedingly picky eater. Mm -hmm. And my biological brother, that was one thing that both my brothers and I found was really fun, is finding our likes and dislikes and what was the same and what was different. They're both exceedingly picky as well. Really? Okay. And so is my mother. To the point of people tease me and laugh when I go out to eat because I, I am so picky. Okay. One of my brothers said, yeah, I don't eat anything that ends in ease. So no Chinese, <laughs> no Japanese. Now I oh, do. I see. Okay. I do. I, I right. do like those foods. But I don't I don't like seafood. I don't like pork. I don't like to eat meat off of a bone. You know, I can just I could go on for probably an hour. Right. And they're the same. With what do you mean they're the same? They won't eat anything like that either. The same foods though. Correct. Because I think back with my own family, 
like my brother, especially when we were growing up, he's kind of changed since, but he didn't like eggs. I don't know anybody who doesn't like eggs, but that's fine. That was his thing. I don't like onions or tomatoes. Um, another sister, I, what was it? There was, you know, we all have different ones. I oh, mean, no, we, we were all the same. We were all picky, but it was all different. Maybe we don't have the same parents. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we were we were all pretty much the same. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Except for the ease thing, right? That's the only right. thing that's different, right? For and you. that made me laugh. Yeah, that is funny. And that may have been lack of exposure, okay, to those ethnic foods. Okay, that makes sense because I mean, you grew up in the San Diego area, right? So, so a funny story a about him. That. Sure, uh, when he came out to visit me, he. I took him to one of those restaurants where it was a Japanese restaurant and they cook at the table. Oh, yeah. The, the, I want to say Tamagotchi, but that's Benihana. a, game, a Beni, Like that, but it right. wasn't a Benihana, but it okay. was like a Benihana. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really nice. You're going to love this. And I remember <laughs> him sitting there and looking at the food and really just kind of pushing it around in his plate. And he's watching, trying to be polite, but still not trying, trying to, to be eat polite. It. <laughs> And as he's eating it, he's kind of making faces, you know. And I thought, you don't like this? And he goes, it's very nice. Aw. And oh. yeah, it was just so funny to me because I thought, oh, he's going to love this. Like, yeah. this is amazing. Not so much. <laughs> just didn't dig it. That's no, he didn't funny. dig it. So those kind of things were fun. Um, we all like the same TV shows. Mm-hmm. Our favorite, ironically, was Little House on the Prairie. And my brothers are, they're tough guys. Right. I mean, they're... But they would tear up to Laura Ingalls. Yes. (laughs) That was, to me, just amazing. Right. Um, My youngest brother's son, uh, his name is Landon, and it was... After Michael Landon. Mm -hmm. uh, That makes sense. Cool. And it was so funny that when when my uh, brother came out to visit, the the other brother, Mm -hmm. he said, you have all of the Little House on the Prairies on DVD. And I said, I do. And he goes, let's watch them. And so we spent probably 24 hours watching. And (laughs) both of us could recite along with each episode because we both- You'd seen it that many times. A hundred times. Wow. I would call him up on the phone and he would be watching it on one of the channels. Okay. So that was really interesting to find that All we, these connections that right. aren't, you know, just the big toe thing. And that, right. Right. Okay. I got you. So that was really, that was really neat. So that finding a sense of belonging would mm-hmm. be a big thing. And we've talked about before when you're filling out medical history forms. Again, kids don't want to be singled out. And they don't want to be different. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. So when you're filling out a form and... As an adult, you have to put adopted, unknown for when they say family history. Does anyone in your family have a history of heart disease or diabetes or cancer? And you're writing unknown, 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 unless you have an open adoption and you have that information. When you are a child, obviously you're not filling out those forms. Mm -hmm. But then when you walk back into the, the room to meet the doctor... Oftentimes, the doctor will ask questions to the adoptive mom, and it normally comes out, oh, well, they're adopted. We don't know that. where they're adopted. And again, to an adopted child, to me, it was in the sense saying, well, she's different. Right. You don't belong. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was hard. I'm sure it was very difficult. I, a lot of that, like you said, has been 
uh, alleviated by open adoptions, semi-open adoptions, because you have more of that connection. Correct. A lot of these issues that we've talked about today. Correct. And that's so amazing. And right. that shows us as a society how far we've come. I think it's neat. I do too. We talked about genetics and nationality. And one way to do that is if you don't have an open adoption is the 23andMe. And maybe at some point when your child is nearing adulthood, maybe mm-hmm. that's something if you choose to that you could look into because that would be a way to find out Some what of these nationality. Things special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another thing... Growing up as an adopted child, you're really looking for a connection. You really want a biological connection. Mm -hmm. It is not uncommon for adopted children to want to have a biological child. I remember talking about it when I was a teenager. Now, I was not a teenage mom, but I remember thinking that I will then have a biological connection. Right. And when you don't have a biological connection with an adoptive family, if there's not a half sibling or a sibling where your fam- your adoptive family was able to adopt another child from your birth mother, there is a longing for one. There's really no way to remedy that, mm-hmm. but I think it's something to acknowledge and it's not something to not talk about. Right. You do want to to look like somebody in your adoptive family. But that's twofold, as we've talked about, because when somebody comes up and says, wow, it's hard to believe you're adopted. You look just like your adoptive mom. You don't, as a child, you, I remember thinking, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And even as an adult, I don't know what to do with that. Okay. I don't know what the response is supposed to be. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I mean, it's not. Cool. Uh. Yeah, that I wouldn't know how to respond to that. Another thing that you may not think about when you're not adopted is, mm-hmm. what am I going to look like when I'm older? You don't have that, especially with the closed adoption like you had. You don't have a picture of somebody who you're supposed to look like when you get older. I mean, me and my brother look like my dad. So Yeah. What was really neat in a weird way is when my mother was in a coma and I was in the hospital And the nurse, I was sitting with her and the nurses would come in and out of the room Mm -hmm. and they kept asking me her age because she really does look, she looked a lot younger than she was. Okay. And when they're pointing this out, I remember looking at her face and thinking, wow, they're right. And I'm looking for wrinkles and I'm really not seeing any. Wow. And then I'm looking at the roots of her hair and confession, I do get gray hairs. (laughs) So she has roots because she was dyeing her hair. Right. She had no gray hair. Really? None. So now I'm like kind of picking through her hair trying to find one because now I'm thinking. How come I have, what's going on here? What happened? Right. We're 16 years Skip apart. The generation. We're 16 years apart here. Like right. What this, and. Um, That's hilarious. Oh it really God. kind of is. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, okay, that's not fair. So then, um. Uh, my birth mother and I did have a talk. Mm-hmm. She listened very nicely because she was in the coma and I just talked. And she I didn't asked interrupt her, like I do all the time. No, Got she it. didn't interrupt. Yeah. She didn't disagree. <laughs> and I that wasn't fair. She had no gray hair. She oh. had none. And and it wasn't like she had just dyed it. Like I said, she had her roots had grown out. So I was 
you know, when I was coming her hair, I'm I'm trying just really to, to pacify myself it. and find some. Yeah, some. please. There wasn't any. Yeah. There wasn't any. Perhaps your dad, your biological father. Perhaps, yeah. because it wasn't from her, because <laughs> she does not have any. Uh, adopted children, as we've spoken before, mm-hmm. family trees are confusing. When people talk about exploring their ancestry, that is very twofold. Because you have grown up as an adult looking back as an adopted child Mm -hmm. with a family that you very much identify with. That is your mom and dad. When you are adopted, you love them. That is your mother and father. They raised you. Correct. Mm -hmm. Biologically, it's different. And when you're doing a family tree, it's very confusing. Do you do two? Do you... If you don't do two, which one do you do? And even as an adult, I struggle with that. I, right. I struggle with, well, I have two sets of families. Do I draw two trees and then put a connection between them? Because do, you're now the connection, the right. connecting link. Hmm. I think that it would behoove some ancestry data person to really take this into consideration and develop something. Right. Because it would alleviate a lot of that, what do I do? Uncertainty. Family reunions, when you're a child and it's not discussed, are just fine. When you go to a family reunion and the adoption is talked about, it's one more, she's different. She's not an outcast, but she's not really part of... Us. Right. And right. and an adopted child very much wants to be the us. Mm-hmm. Very much. Adoptive mom and dads very much want their adopted child to be part of the us. Right. Sometimes family members don't use the right terms, the right lingo. And when you do adopt, educating those around you is really important so that the child, the adopted child and the adoptive parents can be the us Mm -hmm. because that's where they want to be. Right. Well, I'm trying to put this in in my head because... I obviously didn't grow up adopted, but I try and picture myself at a family reunion where, like you said, the adoptive parents are your parents. They chose you, but then say the cousins and the uncles and aunts, they didn't really choose you, you know, and you're technically not part of their tree biological tree biologically and so i imagine that would feel awkward and, and it's uneasy, a little confusing. especially to a child so okay interesting these are things i never really thought about or put in my head yeah so and that's probably I appreciate because you sharing. well that's probably because these are things that people don't talk about and they should especially when there is an adoption and that way the rest of the family knows yes. okay but this is what you should think about that. Correct. And this person does belong. They are our tribe. Yeah. Okay. When you are adopted as an adopted child, one of the biggest fears, and I will say that this is a common fear mm-hmm. for adopted children, is abandonment. Because they already feel in some sense, even though they, the biological mother lovingly placed them for adoption Mm -hmm. without having the knowledge and the ability to understand really what that means and what that process looks like there is some sense of fear of abandonment is somebody going to leave again is somebody going to really still want me is did did i do something wrong did i 
you know, are you always going to be there? Right. What's going to happen after I turn 18? Are you still there? And so when you have an adopted child, the best thing in my opinion is constant reassurement. I'm going to be there for the rest Forever. of my life. Yeah. And that is what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. You may think when you're talking to your adopted child, you're saying it too much, but you're not. You're not. You can never say that to an adopted child or just a child. Yeah, you can. You always, I'm always need gonna to be reassure. There. I'm always going to love Like you. you do with your kids. Absolutely. Right. You're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. and I'm going to be there to help you get back up. And that is something that is so important. And I've been asked professionally, will my child maybe have a harder time taking them to kindergarten or preschool or dropping them off at college? And the answer is yes. In a lot of situations, yes. That's not to say for sure it's going to be every child, but it is a sense of separation. And that is hard on an adoptive child. Mm -hmm. When you are told about your birth family as an adopted child, I know that I personally, as I've said before, soaked everything in. The three the three things that I knew. I soaked everything <laughs> in. And that was just unreal. Now, my adoptive mother shared something with me that I didn't know until I started looking for my birth mother. And I was adopted through a, an attorney. Mm-hmm. It wasn't through an agency at that time. It was through an attorney. And she had been sending him pictures of me every Christmas. Really? And I never knew that. And when she disclosed this to me, she gave me his name and he was still alive. And I reached out to him. And ironically, he had business in Phoenix uh, about a week to two weeks later. Really? Mm -hmm. And he flew out and asked to meet me. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I jumped at the opportunity and met him and he shared with me what he remembered back then they didn't keep files like they keep now but it was really it was the first opportunity I had had because I hadn't found her yet to learn more right and I remember thinking I'm not gonna forget ever a word that you have said And of course, he wanted to focus on, you know, what an amazing childhood I had and everything else. And I did. (laughs) And I wanted to know everything that he, I wanted to know everything. Yeah. Give me details. Right. And so that was very, very interesting. And Mm -hmm. actually, it was a situation where he actually wasn't even an adoption attorney. He was, um, I guess, colleagues in some aspect with the family doctor that Mm -hmm. my mother had gone to when she found out she was pregnant and had contacted this attorney to do the adoption. Wow. Kind of neat. That's very neat. Yeah. In all aspects, I believe adoptive children can thrive in adoptive homes. Mm-hmm. They can be loved and feel secure and feel safe. And yet they're still going to have those thoughts and feelings yeah. about adoption. Not every child and not every thought and feeling we described, but those are common thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And not everybody as severe as others. And yeah, it's always to It will depend on the situation. Yeah. And those things don't negate what an amazing job the adoptive family is doing. Mm -hmm. That's just part of adoption. And I would really like to stress to adoptive families, just because your child has questions 
or they have fears or they have concerns. That doesn't mean you're not doing amazing. Right. Again, it's just part of adoption. If you're a birth mother, adoptive family member, adopted child, or just a listener to the podcast and you're facing depression, grief, or anxiety, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Thank you for joining us on Birth, Mother Matters, and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke-Scary and edited by me, Ron Raines. We also want to thank Building Arizona Families, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. A special thanks goes out to Grapes for letting us use their song, Ida Know, as our theme song. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com, and you can call us 24 hours a day with questions or comments about the podcast or adoption in general at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. Next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, we'll be discussing adoption disruption and what happens to a birth mother when she chooses not to place her baby for adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines. We'll see you then.